good morning. Welcome to Catechism Class with Resurrection Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Hagen. Good to have you with us today. We're continuing in our study from the Green Workbook, Growing in the Word. Hopefully you have that available nearby, as well as a Bible, because we'll be using our Bibles. Oh, hi. I see you now. Um, and if you're tuning in through our podcast, I can send you a copy if you are uh, wanting to follow along with us there. Um, or if you're just watching on YouTube, obviously I can send it to you there. <laughs> just let me know. Uh, Pastor Hagen at iCloud.com, P-A-S-T-O-R-H-A-G-E-N at iCloud.com. Or you can text me, 419-262-8280. So last time we had seen Joseph... Joseph and the coat of many colors. Joseph is a bit of a, an arrogant little kid, well, arrogant teenager, um, who got himself thrown into that dry cistern and sold off into slavery, and his, and his father thinks he's dead. And then Joseph was working for Potiphar, and the captain of the guard of the prison, um, and Joseph, or Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph of assault, and Joseph is put into prison. And that's kind of where things pick up in Genesis chapter, chapter 40. Is where we're going to be. Um, so this takes place 1897 to about 1884 B.C. He's not in prison for a short period of time. Um, but you'll you see at the top of your page there on page 32, Joseph's struggles continued. He was almost killed, and then he was sold into slavery by his brothers. Then after being sold to a man named Potiphar, he was blessed in all he did. However, Potiphar's wife falsely accused him of inappropriate behavior, and Joseph was thrown into prison. So Genesis 40 is where we are today. The chapter in its entirety, um, verses 1 through 23, reads like this. Well, the, first of all, the bullet points on your page. Uh, first of all, you see, number one, while Joseph was in prison, he prospered in all he did. And then secondly, God gave him the opportunity to interpret dreams for two high-ranking officials who had worked for Pharaoh. So Genesis chapter 40. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next day, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its cluster ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, 
and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. For I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Verse 16, when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread, and the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Eek. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. All right, so that is chapter 40. Um, you might... You might see, let's see, at least the way it's translated in the way that, maybe the way I read it, verses 14 and 15, after Joseph gives the interpretation to the chief cupbearer, he's very quick to say, but remember me, but remember me, can you speak up? I'm not supposed to be here, I'm, I'm imprisoned unjustly. And he's going to be there for a while yet. Um, because sometimes, you know, why God does and allows what he does and allows is not for us to discern or understand. Um, but what we see in the example of Joseph's life is that perhaps um, he learned a little bit more humility and a little bit more trust in God. Anyway, um, read number one. Read Genesis chapter 39, verses 20 through 23, and describe Joseph's life in prison. Uh, verses 20 and 20 to 23. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. How would you describe Joseph's life in prison according to those verses? You might say, well, God blessed him again. Through no, um, no will, no work of his own, God blesses him. And Joseph was put in charge of everything that happened in the prison. He's given a little bit of authority um, even there while he's in prison. Because it makes the, the warden and the prison officials or the prison officers, makes their life a little bit easier. And of course, when you're watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast, uh, feel free to hit pause if you, you know, want to look at the question yourself and think about it a little bit or come back to things. Uh, number two, the positions of chief cupbearer and chief baker were important positions in the Egyptian government. What do you suppose each one did for the king? Well, you think about that, um, the, the baker is probably pretty simple. He baked things. <laughs> he baked things for the king. The cupbearer is a little bit more involved. And, um, and you might say, well, he brings the king his, his wine. 
But it's more than that. He makes sure that the king's food and drink are not poisoned. He makes sure that nobody is, um, is going to try to slip some poison into the food, so he tastes it first. Um, but he, in exchange for, you know, basically, basically putting his life on the line in front of the king's life, <laughs> he has, in exchange for that, he has direct access, he has some authority, some recognition in the kingdom with that very important task. Um, Kind of similar, similar in a sense to our Secret Service in this country. Um, the Secret Service is that, well, they, they investigate financial crimes, I think, and they also um, protect ranking officials like the president, vice president, presidents after they are out of office, that sort of thing. But they are, you know, a secret. <laughs> they don't walk around with a, a badge on that says, hey, I'm Secret Service. Um, but the chief cupbearer, well, he's got a bit more recognition. And this is a position of uh, importance in the, in, the, in the empire or in the nation. Number three, after the cupbearer and baker were put into prison, both had dreams on the same night. Both were upset because they didn't know what their dreams meant. What did Joseph's response to them in verse 8 indicate about the ability to interpret their dreams accurately? Joseph said, well, looking at verse 8, We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. And then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So number three, um, only God could provide the interpretation of their dreams. And Joseph is speaking as one who knows the true God, who is a worshiper of the true God, who has been instructed in following the true God. So that even, you know, after he's been in Egypt for 10, 12 years, maybe, maybe a little bit longer, we don't know. Um, we don't know exactly. He can still speak as a, as a fellow believer, as a worshiper of the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, number three, only God could provide the interpretation to their dreams. The Egyptians had their own magicians and their own sorcerers and their own people who tried to determine dreams. Um, and sometimes, you know, those guys just made things up on the fly. And sometimes they had demonic prompting, um, or maybe, you know, they, they used some sort of hallucinogenic substances, you know, like breathe in some, some gas, which is what the Greeks did um, at Delphi. There was these, these, this place at Delphi where um, different mist would rise up from the earth, and if you inhaled that, then you would get a little woozy. Um, the Egyptians maybe did something like that. Maybe they, you know, maybe those magicians ate some, some weird foods, like some weird mushrooms that kind of mess with your, your brain a little bit. Or maybe um, it was just direct, direct work by the devil or his other demons. As we see a little bit later with uh, Moses going into Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's palace and he puts his staff on the ground and the staff turns into a snake. And the magicians, Jannies and Jambres, um, did the same thing by their own magic arts. Okay? So there's obviously demonic power, demonic activity there, but interpretation of dreams might include more than that. And Joseph, number three here, Joseph reiterates that only God can provide the interpretation for dreams. Number four, what was the cupbearer's dream? Verses 9 and 10, um, we read that. Um, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me. On the vine were three branches. It budded, it blossomed, it ripened into grapes. I put the cup in Pharaoh's hand and took the grapes and squeezed them into the cup. Um, basically, grapevine has three branches. 
He picked grapes and he made a drink for Pharaoh. Plain and, plain and simple. Pretty straightforward. But obviously, if you don't have the interpretation, um, this was a dream that has a meaning to it. Um, if, you don't have, if you don't know what it means, then it is of no value. Number five, what was Joseph's interpretation? That is to say, what is God's interpretation of, Pharaoh, of the cupbearer's dream? In verses 12 and 13, this is what it means. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. So in three days, like the three branches, he would get his job back. Pretty cool. Don't have to sit here in prison. Um, he's got the power, status, authority, influence. Um, he has freedom. Awesome. And so the baker is like, ooh, tell me mine. <laughs> Why did the baker share number six? Why did the baker share his dream with Joseph as well? Well, verse 16, when the baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. And, you know, these, this baker and this cupbearer, they, they probably heard what Joseph said, um, that only the true God can give interpretation for dream, but if that's the only conversation they had, um, maybe they don't, they don't get it yet. And the baker says, well, if you gave him a good one, maybe he'll give a good interpretation for me too. So he says, yeah, let me tell you my dream, which is number seven. What was the baker's dream? Looking at verses 16 and 17. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said, I also had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Holding three baskets of baked goods, all stacked up, carrying them on his head, you know, croissants and donuts and, uh, and baguettes. I don't know if the Egyptians had baguettes. That's a French word, but um, you just got to go with it. Um, and he's, he baked all these things. Maybe he's got a cake on top or a pie. Oh, <laughs> getting kind of hungry. Um, and he's got these on his head, and then the birds start flying down and eating them. What's going on? Number eight. What was Joseph's interpretation, which is to say, what is God's interpretation? Verses 18 and 19. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets, again, are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head. Not lift you up, raise you back up, but lift you off. Not a good thing and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Um, so number eight, God's interpretation, in three days he would be killed. Number nine, how accurate were the interpretations that Joseph shared? Verses 21 and 22. Pharaoh, verse 21, restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph said, had said to them in his interpretation. So obviously, verse 22, Moses condenses it a little bit. He doesn't go into all the gory details of, of how the baker was put to death. Um, because that's not his point. As Moses is telling the history here, he's telling history with a purpose. Which is to say that um, you know, he's focusing on the life of Joseph and the eventual blessing that God would, would bring through bringing God's people down to Egypt. Um, but that clause at the end, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation, that tells us that yes, um, exactly what happened to him, even though Moses abridged it a little bit in verse 22, 
Um, it's exactly what, what Joseph had said. All right. That was the separation of the head from the body and hanging up the body. Ooh. Number 10. Let's get past this. <laughs> That's a little gory. Well, number 10. What special request had Joseph made to the cupbearer? That was back in verses 14 and 15 again. And, um, and maybe, obviously, Joseph is imprisoned unjustly that he had not done the crime that he was accused of. Um, and he's anxious to, to get out, and here's his chance. Here's, he's talking and giving an interpretation to somebody who has direct access to Pharaoh um, in a personal way. And so he says, verses 14 and 15, But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. All right. So number 10, he asked the cupbearer to ask Pharaoh to get him out of prison. <clears throat> and number 11, how well did that work out for Joseph? Looking at verse 23. Verse 23, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. All that work. <laughs> um, and he's forgotten. All right, so that, con that concludes Genesis 40. Now, Genesis 41. This one's a little bit longer. 57 verses, Genesis 41. Um, Pharaoh has some dreams, and this is uh, two years later. So the two bullet points there on page 33. Despite the cupbearer's forgetfulness, when, Joseph, when Pharaoh needed a dream interpreter, the cupbearer did eventually remember Joseph. And God used all this to work good, not only for Joseph, but for all people living in the region, including the rest of Joseph's family, still living back in Joseph's home. And even greater good, that God would bring that family to Egypt and protect them from being absorbed into the nations around them. Um, because the, the Egyptians... They seem like a very sophisticated, civilized, and cultured people. Um, and even in the, the pictures, or maybe you think of um, you know, a lot of the artwork, or if you watch the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, um, the images that we have of the Egyptians at this time are of people who are, are very smooth-skinned. The men, you know, they shave, and they have their hair nicely done, and, and maybe they're, they're fit and athletic. And the image that we have of joseph and his family is that those people you know the the family the children of israel that is are people who live out in tents with with goats and um, maybe don't shower all that often or bathe all that often they don't shave all that often they're kind of you know pictured as as relatively hairy people and the images that we even see in artwork of um of the israelites or the children of israel is you know men with beards and, um, and, you know, maybe a lot more hair. And so when, when God would bring the children of Israel finally down to Egypt, and Joseph would introduce his family, Pharaoh would be like, hey, awesome, cool, welcome. You should go live over there. <laughs> go live with all the, the other shepherds and goat herds, um, not down here because that's the farmland and you're kind of smelly. That's the impression I get. Maybe that's a little bit of an elaboration, but I think it's on the right track. So anyway, um, Genesis chapter 41, beginning in verse 1. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile, when out of the river they came, there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cow, cows, ugly and gaunt, came out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. 
and the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream, and things turned out exactly as he interpreted them for us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. Here we go, verse 14. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Part of that is cleaning up because he's been sitting in prison. Part of that is that maybe um, Joseph and the other descendants of Jacob are, are men who are very good at growing beards. Um, you know, like Pastor Hagen doesn't wear a beard because it, uh, I'm not somebody who's really good at growing beards. And, um, and maybe the Egyptians are the same way where they typically aren't very hairy people and whatever hair that a man, man would have, he would shave off and, and be clean-shaven. Um, so there's a little bit of a cultural difference here. And that, that comes into play over the course of the next 400 years because at the end of this chapter, um, or at the end, you know, in a couple more chapters, Jacob's family is coming down to Egypt and, um, and God is basically getting them out of the land of Canaan so that they don't intermarry with all the Canaanites there. Because you remember that God had promised that a descendant of Adam and Eve would be the Messiah. And that was narrowed down to the family of Abraham, and then the family of Isaac and Jacob. And eventually we'll hear that the descendant from Judah would be the Messiah. And if... If Jacob's family remained in the land of Canaan and intermarried with all the nations around them, then their family line would dissolve. And if their family line dissolved, then Jesus wouldn't have been able to be born because God had limited himself to that family line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Judah. So anyway, that, we'll, we'll talk about that next time, I am sure. Picking up in verse 15. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires, he being God, I think. Um, then, verse 17, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven fat cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dreams also, I saw a seven full heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. 
The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I explained this to the magicians, da -da -da -da, but none could explain it to me. These magicians could not, by their own literary talent or by their own demonic, um, demonic activity, they could not provide any interpretation that actually satisfied the details of this dream. Um, so you see there God's hand of working behind the scenes, that he is frustrating the work of the devil so that he can bring Joseph out of prison and eventually install Joseph as the one overseeing what's going to be happening next. We should keep going. Uh, verse 25, Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. The seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he was about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason for the dream that the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of those good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. You'll notice that, that Joseph, um, as, he, as, he, as he's talking about this um, back in verse, verse 34, you might think to yourself, well, we have seven years of abundance, we have seven years of famine, so if we store up one-seventh every year, then, um, then that would be enough to, to even it out. But Joseph says, well, store up a fifth and for each year, and hopefully that'll be enough, and even more than enough. Obviously, I'm not the mathematician here. Uh, verse 37, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second-in-command, and men shouted before him, Make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word no one will lift hand or foot in all of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name zaphnath Paneah and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. So if you do the math, he's 30 years old. He had been 17 when he was sold into slavery. He's been in Egypt for 13 years. Um, and 
a number of those years, um, he's been in prison. For sure, the last two years, obviously. I'd have to double check that, look that up. Anyway, so he's, um, verse 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food growth, fruit grown in the cities surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh, footnote letter E. Manasseh sounds like and may be derived from the Hebrew word for forget. Uh, so Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim, footnote letter F. Ephraim sounds like the Hebrew word for twice fruitful. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph and do what he tells you. And part of this, obviously, Pharaoh is, is delegating the, the power and the authority to somebody who can handle it, but it also distances Pharaoh from the responsibility. He gets to take all the credit um, because Pharaoh is recognized as, as a god on earth, a god in human form. Um, so he gets to take the credit and he gets to take the praise. But if things go poorly, then he doesn't have to have that personal insult of being the one under whom Egyptian crumbled with the famine. And he doesn't expect things to go poorly anyway because he's delegated it to Joseph. So says, let Joseph take care of it. Uh, verse 56, when the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe in all the world. All right. Number 12, what was Pharaoh's dream about the cows? Uh, seven, you think back to verses 1 through 4 and 7 to 21, feel free to hit pause to to read through those on your own. Okay. Uh, verse number 12. What was Pharaoh's dream about the cows? Seven ugly, unhealthy cows ate seven good cows. But the ugly cows were still unhealthy and thin. Yuck. Eef. Number 13. What was Pharaoh's dream about the grain? Verses 5 through 7 and 22 to 24. And hit pause to read that yourself. Number 13, what was Pharaoh's dream about the grain? Seven thin heads of grain ate seven good heads of grain. Number 14, what problem did Pharaoh have as he tried to find the meaning of his troubling dreams? Looking at verse 8. In the morning his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and all the wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Number 14, no one could tell him what they meant. Ugh. That should be a sign. 
Uh, number 15, what did Pharaoh's dilemma allow the cupbearer to do for his king and for Joseph? Uh, verses 9 through 13. The chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. I was once imprisoned. Each of us had a dream. Young Hebrew was there. Things turned out exactly as he said. So what was Pharaoh's dilemma? What did this allow the cupbearer to do? The cupbearer was allowed to help both of them by telling Pharaoh that Joseph had been able to interpret his own dream. Awesome. Number 16, after the cupbearer brought this information to the king, what did Pharaoh do? Looking at verse 14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Uh, so the king had Joseph brought out of prison to him. Number 17, to whom did Joseph again give credit for the dream? Dream interpretations, verse 16. I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Easy peasy, lemon breezy. Number 18. Joseph said that the dream about the cows and the dream about the grain have the same meaning. What was the interpretation? 25 to 32, we read those. That there would be seven years with a lot of food, followed by seven years with no food. So number 19, as a result of God working through Joseph to give the king a proper explanation for his dreams, what happened to Joseph? Verses 40 through 44. He was made second in command, and everybody in Egypt was supposed to listen to him, um, the only exception, of course, being Pharaoh. Number 20. How many years had it been? From the time that Joseph's brothers had sold him into slavery until he was made ruler in Egypt. Looking at verse 46, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And back in Genesis 37, verse 2, Joseph was a young man of 17. So 13 years. Much of that sitting in prison for something that he didn't do. Number 21, this one's a think thinker question for yourself. If you had been Joseph, enduring all of these hardships and even waiting in prison for two years while the cupbearer enjoyed his restored position, what might you have been thinking? I'll entrust number 21 and 22 to you and give a little bit of thought and jot down a couple answers. And number 22, uh, you can read that in your workbook. When we experience hardships, what promises do we have from God? You'll have to look at Romans 8, verse 28, and 2 Peter 3, verse 9, and the 6th and 7th petitions of the Lord's Prayer, um, down in the blue box at the bottom. Lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil. So please circle 21 and 22 to do as part of your homework, um, and work through with a parent. And number 23, how do you see these promises fulfilled in what happened to Joseph? I'll leave that one for you as well. So our key questions, um, letter A and B, how did God arrange things to allow Joseph to get out of prison? And letter B, what does Joseph's life teach us about dealing with hardship and trouble in our own lives? So for next time, um, I think you're either on you know, weeks five and six, maybe four and five or three and four, um, but take, take the second one and then add, add another new one. On your memory work and just keep kind of flipping through those on your own 
Um, spend a little bit of time in the morning, a little bit of time in the evening, maybe every time you sit down to eat, just read through the week's set of, um, of cards. And uh, yeah, because if you spread it out over time, that helps it to kind of sit in your mind a little bit longer and helps your mind kind of digest it. It's kind of the same thing as, um, as eating. If you eat a little bit over the cor course of the day, that's more pleasant than trying to stuff an entire meal in at once after you've been starving all day. Anyway, so for next time, be sure to work through your memory work. Um, numbers 21, 22, and 23. The blue box, read through that and the key questions. And um, I think that's it. Thanks so much for joining us here for Catechism Class with Resurrection Live on YouTube. If you have any questions, let me know. Uh, Pastor Hagen at iCloud.com, P-A-S-T-O-R-H-A-G-E-N at iCloud.com or 419-262-8280.